Welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study Podcast. Today we're bringing you our 44th annual Thanksgiving Prayer Breakfast. And our topic today is faith, passion, and business. And our speaker is a guest today, John Rivers, founder and CEO of Four Roots and Four Rivers Restaurant Group. And we turn it over to him now as John brings us the message. I offered to come and uh, talk about cooking brisket today and give away all my recipes, and, and Pat said no. <laughs> Wanted me to talk about God, so we're going to talk about that today. You know, the irony is, and I just told a reporter this the other day, he said, well, you know, why do you talk about God so much and, and barbecue? How does that fit together? And I said, well, barbecue comes from the Bible. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? I said, well, the Israelites were burning food in the desert for years, you know, long before we ever got here. All right, so what I am going to talk to you about today is purpose and passion. Because I believe so much that that is a design that God has put into our lives. And uh, one of my, uh, my, a couple of my favorite verses, one of them is from Jeremiah 1.5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you with a purpose and a plan. And what that basically says, none of us are made by accident. Nobody's here incidentally. God put us here specifically at a specific time in order to do a plan and a purpose that he set forth long before we're ever born. And that's what I really love about this. You know, God, by the way, God doesn't make mistakes. (laughs) He doesn't put, he doesn't do things that are flawed. You know, you are the way that you are so that you line up to exactly what that purpose and plan is. Each one of us are given different gifts. You know, some of us are going to be preachers, and some of us are going to be teachers, and some of us are going to be healers. And, and that's unique. That's what God has put into each and every one of our hearts. And behind that also is a passion. Now, a lot of us will come out of school, come out of college, come out of whatever it is, and we think we're going to go out and pursue our passion. And, and I'll speak for myself. Many of us end up settling for a paycheck. Instead of making a, a life, we tend to make a living. And it's very, very easy to go down that path because life is comfortable. And that, quite honestly, that's how our, our country and, and that's how we're wired is you work hard and you get that house and you have that career and you keep working and you keep working. Well, I will say this, that passion, that purpose that God put into your heart never goes away, okay? We just tend to bury it and live our lives around it, but every once in a while, it'll start to pop up, okay? Matter of fact, the fact that you're still here today means that God is not done working with you yet. Uh-huh. And by the way, you, you, you can't incidentally uh, pick your purpose because you didn't make you <laughs> one. And if you don't know what it is, you know, I always say, well, well, pray to your maker. And if you still can't get that, well, you know, go to the owner's manual <laughs> and read that and take a look into that. But what I do love, and many of us will sometimes forget it, is asking kids, you know, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? especially the, the small, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds. And you hear just beautiful things. I want to be a coach. You know, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a doctor. 
I want to be an NFL football player. I want to be a diver or whatever it is. You know what's beautiful about that? Nobody's told them what they can't do yet. Nobody's told them you're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not fast enough. But you see, the, the, the story that we believe ends up dictating and determining so much of the life that we live. And when you listen to things that aren't from God, ultimately they'll begin to stray you away from that purpose. There's a Harvard study that came out a while ago. So in the U.S., by the time that we're 17 years old, you've heard the words, no, you can't, an average of 150,000 times in our country. You've heard the words, yes, you can, 5,000. That's 30 no's to every yes. Okay. That creates a very powerful belief in, I can't. The leading reason that people fail to reach their potential is because of low self-esteem. Because they start to believe what other people are telling them that they can't do. Low self-esteem puts a ceiling on our potential. And I will promise you this, rest assured, if you put low value on yourself, the world is not going to raise the price. It all starts in here, and it all starts with believing what God has asked you to do. Simply, you can't do better than how you see yourself. And I'll say it again. I promise you, God doesn't make anything by accident. God doesn't make any, something that is flawed. And God has never created anything at the wrong time. You are here at the exact same moment that he wants you to be here. Now, if you ask me when I was a little boy, what do you want to do? Um, I would say I, I want to cook. I've always loved to cook. Ever since I was a, a little kid, and I want, to, I want a restaurant one day. Now, I, I came from a family full of, uh, you know, uh, people who weren't in that industry at all. <laughs> and they didn't understand why I had this passion. But the day I turned 16, back then you had to look in the classified sections and find the jobs. There was a job opening at a pizza place up in Jacksonville called The Loop. And I was very excited. I went there literally the day I turned 16, filled out the application for the cook, and I got a call a couple days later. I was so excited. I, I remember going in there and my mom dropping me off. And um, the manager's name was Mike, and God bless him. He was, he was such a nice man. He poured into me. He, uh, he filled out all the paperwork. He says, okay, I'm going to bring you to your station. I'm like, oh, boy, this is great. I finally get to cook and learn how to do it. Well, he walks me through the front of the house and all the waiters and the, the manager. And hello, hello. Walks me past the other uh, kitchen. And here's all the cooks. Well, hello, hello. And then he walks me back to this, like, dark corner, you know, in the back of the kitchen, and there's, I, I swear, there's three tubs there. And I'm looking at him, he says, okay, John, this is, a, this is your station, you're a dishwasher. And I was young and naive, and I remember saying to him, oh, I'm sorry, sir, I think there's a misunderstanding. <laughs> Clearly, on my application, I filled it out and said, cook. And he looked at me, and God bless him, he says, John, he says, you have to work for what you want to achieve in life. Well, I didn't listen to that. I believe that that was my station for life. <laughs> I said, oh my God, I'm going to be a dishwasher for the rest of my life. My head was down, and I'm doing this day after day. And about two or three days go by, and that's not my spirit. That's not my continent. You know, so I, I said, I need to lift myself up. Now, you guys about my age, you remember the old tape recorders we used to have? 
And remember, you have to, uh, mine was a blue one, had a little handle on it. Remember, you have to sit by the, um, you guys aren't going to remember, know about this, but you had to sit by the radio and you would listen for your favorite song to come on and you wait for the DJ to stop talking and you had to push on uh, what, play and record at the same time. And remember, you used to make your own playlist and stuff. Those were the original playlists, by the way. So I, I made mine and, you know, I like the Stones and Van Halen and Beach Boys and stuff like that. Now, I brought that tape recorder in. And I, and I did it for my own edification. And I, and I just put it uh, above the dishwasher just to lift my spirits. Well, guess what? My spirits lifted, but so did everybody else's around me. And it was a great lesson in life that, you know, before you knew it, people were coming next to me and they're, they're singing with me. And, and then I got them to help me do the dishes and we started doing it faster and we started timing everything. And I said, this is awesome. So it was so much fun. The next week I brought these tiki lights. And I brought these tiki lights all around my dishwashing station, you know? And Mike, God bless him, he noticed it. He came up and said, John, you're doing a fantastic job. I'm going to give you that promotion. I said, oh, gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm not going to be a dishwasher the rest of my life. Put your hand on my shoulder, walks me past the kitchen, past all the cooks again, out to the front. He says, congratulations, you're our new busboy. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, I, worked, I had to work my way all through high school. I had to paid my college, I worked all the way through college. I worked in restaurants the whole time. Never once, honestly, never once was I allowed in a kitchen. You know, I had to open my own dang restaurant, literally, in order to get you know, myself into the kitchen. But one of the greatest lessons that I learned there, that if you're not doing something you're passionate about, bring passion into what you're doing. You want to change? I talk to so many people that are in a job and they, they don't like their job, they don't like their position. How do I get out of this? You know what I tell them? I said, you be the best that there ever was at that position. You be the best at it, you change your attitude and you go after it, then you'll get noticed. Who's going to get promoted if their head's down and they're moping? You're not going to do that. And then the other piece to that too, if you, if you still can't get passionate about it, go do something different. That's the hard part for many of us, okay? Especially the longer, the longer, the longer that we wait and the more successful we get into a career. You know, becoming comfortable is a very dangerous place, and a lot of times Satan will put us into that position to get us scared about making a change. And I talked to so many men over the years, you know, I, I, I'm not doing something that I have purpose in. I'm not feeling like I have passion. Well, why don't you, what would you like to do? And it's amazing what they'll tell me. And some of it, some of the stuff that I said earlier, you know, you still want to be what you thought you wanted to be when you were younger. Why don't you go do it? Oh, no. They'll give the same reasons that I gave when I was running a pharmaceutical company. Oh, I, I've got, I got a mortgage. I got kids in school. I got the country club. I got the boat. You know, deeper, deeper, deeper. What if I fail at it? What if, it, what if I'm not good at it? Okay. Satan uses a powerful tool called fear. Okay. Fear to keep us away from what God wants us to be doing. You know, and, and it talks about it in 2 Timothy 1 7. For I did not give you the spirit of fear, but one of courage and power to do your purpose. And if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, where does it come from? Not from God. You know what the onset of fear is? It's worry. You know, the onset of worry is, it's doubt. And when you start to doubt what God 
has put inside of you to achieve. You begin to move away from that purpose that he set you, he already gave you the ability to be successful at it. But those 150,000 no's you can't begin to replay and replay. No, stay the path, stay the path, stay comfortable, do this, do this. Well, I'll tell you, I was very blessed. I was running a, a multi-billion dollar company, okay? But I wasn't fulfilling my purpose. You know, I wasn't doing God's work. I wasn't building his kingdom. And sometimes when you get in that, he's not going to let you go, by the way. <laughs> like I said, if you're still here, he's not done with you. He's going to call you. He's going to get your attention. And it comes in lots of different ways. Mine was a phone call. I'll never forget it. It's back in 2004. I was sitting at my desk, and I had a phone and had multiple lines on it, and only one line came to me directly, and, and only five or six people knew that line, and the rest of them went through my assistant. It was a Friday, and that phone rang, my direct line. I picked up fully expecting, anticipating to speak to one of those five or six people, and, and it wasn't any of them. And it was a call that I won't forget. It was a lady, and she was crying. And um, she says, Mr. Rivers, Mr. Rivers, I'm so sorry to hear about your daughter. You know, my daughter, Cammy Cameron, was uh, in kindergarten at the time. And I said, well, what's wrong? What, what happened to Cammy?" She said, well, her tumor. She says her, her terminal brain tumor. And I remember hanging up the phone and God gave me about 20 minutes before I got a hold of my wife, Monica. And he changed my life in that 20 minutes. Because I realized something. Didn't matter how much money I had. Didn't matter the position I had. Didn't matter how many people worked for me. Didn't matter I was in the healthcare industry. None of that was going to affect this problem, this challenge that was in front of me. You ever hear that old saying that um, sometimes you got to you get to a place where all you have left is Jesus to understand that all you need is Jesus. And, and sometimes God puts us in those situations to reveal himself, not to hurt us. You know, setbacks, challenges, failures, are, they're, not, they're not there to define you. They're, they're, they're there to refine you and bring you stronger. Because the stronger you are, the more that God can use you and what that purpose is. And I got a hold of Monica and thank God literally by the grace of God, it wasn't Cameron. But those 20 minutes shook me up so much. I said to Monica, I said, we got to find out who this little girl is. And she asked me a question, what were we going to do? I want you to remember this phrase, I don't know. Okay? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be recurring, and it's important. The important thing is, God's not going to tell you how it's going to be done or how he's going to do it. He's just going to tell you to do it. He's going to give you the opportunity to say yes to his invitation. We got a hold of this family. It took us a little while, but get this. Megan was her name. She was not too far away from here. Megan wasn't in Cameron's class. They didn't know, we didn't, they didn't know each other. Megan, they, we didn't go to the same church. We didn't go to the same neighborhood. We weren't in the same school. There was no reason that that phone call came into my direct line that day. And I know it was for me because the words I do remember were Mr. Rivers, Mr. Rivers. And I'll say this, what's it been, 18 years now? We still don't know who that phone call came from to this day. 
and I'm convinced it was not a mistaken phone call. We got in touch with his family, and we didn't know what we were going to do. At first, we were giving them drugs and, and indigent care and insurance and all this, and finally, one day, I realized they don't need more health care, like more nurses. They, they need money. You know, they're going through this big treatment cycle. So I, I called the, the husband up, John, I said, hey, John, let me write you a check. He said, absolutely not, wouldn't take it. We went back and forth, I hung up the phone. You know, this is one of the first times I felt a tangible push by God. And that tangible push is just, don't give up. Just trust me. And I pick up the phone, I call him back, and I say, hey, John, it's me again. He says, yeah, I know, I just told you no. And, um, and I was literally making it up, okay, on the spot. I didn't know what I was going to say to him. I said, hey, John, I said, um, I like to barbecue, you know, and I got, uh, you know, I think I had an egg or something in my backyard at the time, and I have friends over all the time, you know, five, ten people come over and we'll cook for a football game. I said, how about if uh, we cook, we'll do a barbecue for you at your church, you know, anywhere you want to, and we'll raise money for Megan. I said, you invite anybody you like. I said, I, you know, I, I can cook up, you know, 20 people, no problem whatsoever. Called his wife. She said, sure, but it had to be 10 days later because Megan was getting ready to go back into her next round of chemo. 450 people RSVP'd <laughs> and during that 10 days, okay? Now, we didn't have the equipment. We didn't have the know-how. And it's once again, you know, God is just revealing himself because he's setting me up with a challenge. Like, by God, I had no idea how to overcome. But you know what? That's when it started happening. People started coming out of the woodwork and helping. He's not going to put you in a situation that you have to face by yourself. Again, he's putting you in challenges that he's already armed you to overcome. And I do believe that over and over and over. And people were coming out of the woodwork. And I remember one day, um, Monica, our office was up in Lake Mary. She called me up and says, you better get home. And I said, what for? She says, oh, you'll see. So I come rushing home. I go to pull into my driveway. And you ever see those, those huge smokers on, on, uh, on a trailer? You know, the big round ones? Like, there was one from like here to the wall parked in my driveway. And, and I couldn't get in my driveway. And it had a little, little sticky yellow sign on it. And said, hey, John, I hear you might need this. <laughs> Call me when you're done. Okay. And you know, this was really funny. I didn't meet the gentleman who gave that to me, who let me borrow it, till like four or five years later from then. That's when it showed up. But people showed up and started doing it. And you know what? Ten days later, we fed all those people. And we raised lots of money for this beautiful little girl. And nobody got sick. <laughs> which is good. And, and I remember that night, I was, I was out. I was, you know, because... Healthcare work, sitting behind a desk, running a business as a CEO is one thing. On your feet for days, cooking is it's, it's, it's a different life. And uh, I was wiped out. And Monica, I remember just coming up to me, poking at me. She says, how you doing there, big guy? And I said, I feel so alive. He said, you don't look so alive. I said, no. I said, I want to do this. And you know, I couldn't articulate it at the time. But you know what it was? It woke up that passion when I was a kid. It didn't go away. And God used this to bring it back into my life. But more importantly, he taught me that when, you know, you, you think the title, you think money, you think all these other things are going to bring you happiness in life. And, and, and I'm looking at some very good men in this room who have been through that journey and realize there's much more to life than that. You know, true happiness comes when you're doing your purpose, okay? When you step into what God intended you to be doing, okay? And that becomes your day-to-day -day occupation. And I'll tell you what, it gets multiplied exponentially 
when you're doing it to help others. When you align your passion to your, what your occupation is, your work, and you're doing it with purpose to help others, there's no hours in the day. You know, you, you're, you're alive every single day. And, and, and it's, a, it's a great, great place to be. Now, I, I will say this. When you say yes, and you step into it, okay, that's when the enemy is going to go to work against you. Because he doesn't want you to, he wants you comfortable sitting behind that desk, you know, in that school, driving that boat, because you're not going to be out here talking to people about God and trying to convince them to follow their passion, okay? And he's going to start working against you. Now, I will say this, in, in, in any time in life, you know, there's, every, every problem has a purpose, okay? And I've learned a great lesson that when I face challenges, because they don't go away, by the way, you know, it's not like you get there, you achieve it, and you're done. No, it's, it's continuous, continuous. I've learned in, in, when I face those challenges and setbacks, instead of asking God, you know, why are you doing this to me? I'll ask God instead, what are you trying to teach me? And that simple change in perspective, my wife calls it going around the mountain. You know, how many times are you going to get mad in your car when somebody cuts you off? You know, you're going to keep going around that mountain over and over until finally you overcome it and you learn from that lesson and you move on. Again, the stronger you are, the more he's going to be able to use you. But when you do step into it, you, you can't give up. We ran, we started our barbecue ministry at that point. We called it the barbecue ministry. And for the next four years, I know very creative, um, for the next four years out of our garage, anytime kids or schools or churches needed money, I'd write them a check if I could. But if they allow me, I said, I have a smoker. Let me bring it out for you and we'll do a little fundraiser for whatever school it was. And most of them all around here. And they would say yes. And for the next four years, um, year after year, it, we, it, we did more and more of those. And it would get, and, and we, it, the, the ministry got bigger and bigger. And Monica would give me a hard time. She says, you're just doing this so you can get bigger smokers <laughs> every year, which I did, by the way. And that last year, four years into it, we served over 40,000 people in our ministry out of the garage. Okay, and we never took money for it. It was just a, a way of giving back. And, and something funny happened along the way. Monday through Friday, when I was in my career, I was this John. Saturdays and Sundays, when I was doing my ministry, I was a different person. My spirits were completely lifted. The difference between the two became so apparent. I felt like I was stealing from the company, felt like I was stealing from myself. Two years into the four years, I retired and resigned from a company that I helped build. And both Monica and my boss asked me the same question. Well, what are you going to do now? What did I say? I don't know. It was saying yes to stepping into it. And there was an important lesson that I learned in this. If sometimes, whether it's a relationship, whether it's work, career, something that you're in, sometimes you have to take yourself out of the wrong situation in order to allow God to put you in the right situation. And if you ever hold on to something that's wrong, especially if just because it's comfortable and it's known, you will stop, you stop yourself from finding what that right situation is. Because I promise you, when you all of a sudden you lose it, you're going to start looking. <laughs> You're going to start searching more so than you ever did before. 
when the ministry grew so much over those years, um, we got to a point where Monica says, you've got to get this out of the house. And I said, no problem. That's all I needed was permission to go open a place. So we started searching. Now, we were searching and we thought, we'll just build a commissary, okay, uh, to run the ministry out of. Now, I, I built pharmacies all over the country. I launched drugs all over the world. And we found this little teeny spot. Did anybody ever go to our first little smokehouse? Oh, God bless you. God bless you. You, you parked in one of 11 parking spots, by the way, <laughs> when you were there. That wasn't supposed to be a restaurant. That was supposed to be a commissary that we could run the ministry out of. And I figured out how hard, it was only what, 1,150 square feet? It was small. It'll just, just breaks place. How hard can this be? I had no clue. I had no clue what I was saying. And again, you start stepping into it, the enemy is going to start hitting you, okay? Well, the build out on that thing was supposed to take like three and a half months. It was supposed, I still had the quote, it was supposed to cost $188,000 to do. Now, granted, remember, I've been out of work for two years now, okay, and I've been doing consulting and little things like that. I figured, okay, we'll budget this, we'll open it, and we'll have our business, so we'll be going. Six months later, <laughs> over a half a million dollars of our family capital poured into this. Okay. My contractor, God bless him, walks off the job, leaves us cold, and oh, by the way, it was 2009. And if you guys remember the economic conditions of 2009, okay, it, everything started lining up. All the money that we had been blessed with in this 20 years in healthcare was put into um, long-term investments. They were down 60%. The house that we built right before we went into this crazy endeavor, I hate debt, so we put a lot of cash into it. We were upside down. Literally, the moment that we moved in, right next door to where you live right now, as a matter of fact, we were for the first time in our marriage, okay? Now, neither she nor I had money, right, growing up. But for the first time, we were down to 60 days of cash, left our name before we had to break into IRAs and everything else, and we had no solution to get out. And I, I really I asked yourself, God, how did this happen? How did just two years ago, I'm the CEO of a, a, a large company and blessed, thinking I'm going into the ministry work, and now you've got me desolate out here. And on top of that, everybody is telling me why I'm going to fail. Okay? All the consultants, all the experts, friends. You know, I would tell them I'm going to open a barbecue place and we're going to lead with brisket. You can't lead with brisket. Everybody in the South eats pork. You know, barbecue is regionalized, which is a bunch of bunk, by the way. Brisket's our number one seller. You know, it has been since day one, okay? You're on the, it's a terrible location. They had a point. <laughs> it was a tough location, okay? On the wrong side of the road, you're gonna make people stand in line. You're gonna make people sit with people they don't know. You're gonna make a communal environment. You're gonna run this as a mission on faith. You're gonna fail, fail, fail. All those 150,000 times that you grow up hearing why you can't do something. And you just gotta make a decision which voice you're going to listen to. Cause it's, this one's gonna get loud. The closer you get to where God intended you, this voice is going to get louder and louder. Now came the greatest temptation. Okay. My old CEO, the man who I looked up to spiritually and work-wise, he was smart. He retired. He was buy out there buying different pharmacies and pharmaceutical companies. He calls me up literally when I'm at my very lowest. He says, John, we're, we're buying three specialty pharmacies. We're going to build the headquarters for them here in Orlando. We want you to be the CEO of it. And this was on a Friday. 
And I said, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you, Steve. We were, I, I was in that 60 day time period, okay? And I was, I will say this though, during that period, you know, that was, that was the closest I've ever been in my life to God. Because every single day I was on my knees. I, I was, I was uh, literally scared to death. And I would never wish to go back to that point, but I will say that I missed that relationship. Because every day I spoke to him and, and I realized that he used that challenge to bring me closer to him in that period of time. I get a phone call from my old boss. He tells me this. My spirits were like that on Friday when he made that offer. I said, thank goodness. I said, let me speak to my wife and pray about it. I'll call you on Monday. My spirits were up here. And on Sunday night, they were down here. I'm convinced there's three things that you get out of a career in all your years of working. One, you're going after a title, a doctorate, a position, a goal that you have. Number two, you're doing something that you're passionate about, that you really truly believe in and you love. And three, you're making a living, okay? You're making money, right? And I will say this, there's, there's different times and different seasons that we go through in life. Sometimes we're blessed and we have all three of them happening at the same time, okay? Most of you know that's not always the case. There's a lot of times where we have two, and sometimes you find yourself in one. And I will say this, if you find yourself that you're doing day to day, okay, it's not something that you're growing and you're learning and you're going to, and it's not something you're passionate about, but you're only doing it for the money. Okay. There's not enough money. It's a long, long day. And, and I know a lot of wealthy people who are very unhappy because that, that, there's a hole in your heart that that's never going to fill. Monica and I prayed about it and thank goodness for her strength and her faith. Cause she said, John, she says, if you truly believe this is what God wants us to be doing, right, then I will stand by your side, even if we lose everything. And you talked about the power of a partner and how that lifted so much pressure off me. And then I started asking myself, am I going back to learn anything? No. Am I going back? Am I passionate about it? No. It was just the money. And that's a great litmus test as you make decisions in your life, your motivation. What's your motivation behind it? I called Steve Monday and it was hard to say it. I said, Steve, I, I'm going to pass on the offer. And he knew the financial dire straits that we were in. He says, are you sure about this? I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but yes. I said, I want to follow my faith and do this. And quite honestly, I had two teenage kids and I wanted them to see that it's important for their father to set an example of, of following your dream, even failing at it versus not even having the courage to step into it. He hung up the phone. Now I will say this, I got two phone calls within a week, okay? And I am absolutely convinced to this day that there is a concurrence, there is a balance between obedience and blessing. And it's all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible. Every time you obey, obey, obey. You know, when God told Abraham, leave your country, leave your family. And remember, if you read the fine print, go to a, go to a place, go to a country, I will tell you about later. <laughs> he didn't give him a map. He just said, do what I'm asking you to do. The next passage, you will be blessed. Your family will be blessed. Your descendants will be blessed. There's a, concur there's a balance between those two. 
we stepped into this. Two phone calls came. First one was from a buddy of mine running a Bible study up in, in Lake Mary. Guy in the Bible study lives here in Maitland. Would come down Fairbanks, get his coffee to I-4, go up there. And that day, that particular Tuesday in the Bible study, the guy was ashen white, sweating. And my buddy Kirk says to him, says, what's wrong? He says, well, I was driving by this little construction site on Fairbanks. And he says, I swear I heard God's voice. And my friend says, well, what did he say to you? He said, the guy who's building this is building it for me, and he's in trouble, and he needs help. And my friend Kirk says, he's in, he's in big trouble. <laughs> he needs a lot of help. The guy's name was Brad Watkins. Okay. Brad Watkins is a partner okay, in Friedrich Watkins. Friedrich Watkins was a construction company, has two clients in town, Disney and SeaWorld. Okay. Brad, literally out of nowhere, steps into my life. He gets us to CO and to opening 59 of the 60 days before we ran out of cash. Second phone call, just a few days later, we're coming back from the beach. The beach was free, so we were spending time there. And I remember the kids were in the truck, then back seat, and, and the phone was on Bluetooth. And all of a sudden I looked down about halfway back, and there's a message from a 404 number. And I remember saying to Monica, sitting with me, the phone didn't even ring. I said, who's calling me from Atlanta? And I hit play, and you know, it was on the loudspeaker, and everybody heard it. And I'll never forget the message. And uh, he said, hey, Mr. Rivers? He said, this is Dan Cathy. He says, I work at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and, and I remember looking at Monica, I said, you don't work at Chick-fil-A, you own Chick-fil-A. <laughs> He says, I just had your brisket and your sausage. That's the best thing I ever had. And, and I felt God told me I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to reach out to you. And then I asked a question. I said, how in the world did Dan Cathy, he can get my number because he's Dan Cathy. How did he get my brisket and my sauce? I'll get this. We were doing a, a fundraiser for Domerick just around the corner. And uh, at the end of it, on the week, on Saturday, you know, whatever food we have left, I always send home with volunteers. We had volunteers coming back then. This is long before we opened the smokehouse, you know, from all over the place. And friends of his were in town. Okay, they took some brisket, they took some sauce, they were going to a dinner party um, on Sunday, they had traffic going up uh, the interstate, didn't have time to go home to make the casserole they were supposed to, so they literally just took my brisket, they put it in the microwave and they put it on the table, warmed it up, and that's where, uh, that's where he and Rhonda had it for the first time. I talked to all these MBA programs about you know writing business plans and strategy and stuff like that, and I said, no, you, you throw it all out, <laughs> it's not gonna work that way. He stepped into my life, and he gave me one of the greatest blessings. And you know what? It wasn't money. It wasn't resources. It wasn't equipment. He taught me the power of encouragement. All those no's, all those no's, all those no's. Yes, you can. And a matter of fact, you can. I'm going to stand by your side, and I'm going to see this through. And the power of that taught me that it doesn't matter anything, it has nothing to do with your stature, it has nothing to do with your income, it has nothing to do with your title. Every one of us has the ability to make an impact in people's lives. Just by leaning into them and sharing all the experience that God has already given us and how powerful that is. And I teach my team members, I said that there's people that are sitting next, standing next to you serving, there's people that are coming in that front door. Every day you've got the opportunity to make an impact in somebody's life. Just look them in the eye, lift them up, tell them, tell them something nice, ask them how they're doing. 
And you never, never, never underestimate the impact of that one little pebble that you throw in. Those ripples are going to hit somebody and something, and you never know what, what difference that, that could make. It was that 59 days later, it was October 26 in 2009. We had 12 employees. Um, my wife and I were, were two of them, and we didn't have any money to advertise. We didn't have any money to promote, to do anything. All the equipment we bought was used, and all it broke down that day. And uh, I remember we gathered in the front, and we do this every day to this very day at all 23 of our locations, and we prayed. And I told the team, I said, I don't know what's going to happen after today, so I'm going to do my very best to, to keep you employed, but this could also be it. And we just gave it to God that day, and that's when it happened. 11 o'clock, we opened the doors, we unlocked them, and at first it was our friends who came in, the ones who knew the situation we were in, and then it was interesting, then it was all the people that we had served throughout the years, which which set a, um, a model for us about the importance of the relationship with a community and a business. And then after that, it was people we didn't know who they were. And they came in, and they came in. You guys remember the lines we had at that first little store? That first store, that first day, that first location, I think we were supposed to do like $350. We did like $3,800. The average in the barbecue restaurant is like 1.2, 1.3 million. We did five and a half million out of that little place. And I'm absolutely convinced it's, it's all because we said yes when God gave us those challenges. We stepped into it. And most important, we've kept the ministry in the center of our business. To this very day, one of my most important jobs is all thousand uh, team members that we have today is to help them understand you're not serving a brisket sandwich to make money. You're serving a brisket sandwich to change somebody's life. And we do that day in and day out through our foundation. And that's why I'm convinced that God continues to, to have his hand on us and bless us. I'm gonna leave you with a pair, I'm gonna paraphrase uh, Marianne Williamson. She wrote something very powerful years ago. Said, uh, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure and capable of achieving all that we are called to do. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us the most. I pray that each and every one of you, you believe in yourself and you believe in what God has given you. And when that challenge happens, he's not going to tell you how you're going to get there because quite honestly, if he did tell you the challenges, you would, you would probably back down. And there's a blessing in not knowing that path. Won't you please chase your dreams with all your heart and never quit. <laughs> For in the end, it's one of my favorite little things. You'll make a living out of what you get, but you'll make a life out of what you give. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the Man in the Mirror Bible Study wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on our YouTube page. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and share the podcast with friends. Since 1986, Man in the Mirror has been teaching the Bible, helping us reflect deeply as men and apply God's truth to our lives. This Bible study is recorded in front of a live audience every Friday morning outside of Orlando, Florida. If you need help navigating your life or leading other men, please go to maninthemirror.org and check out our vast library of Bible study videos, blogs, and articles on Christian growth and leadership. 
There are plenty of resources you can use to grow in your faith and help others grow too. At maninthemirror.org, you will find books written just for men, helpful materials for your church's ministry to men, and even a potential career in men's discipleship. If you're a man personally struggling in life, or you need help in discipling men, please send us an email at biblestudy at maninthemirror.org and let us know how we can help.